guys. Happy Thursday. You're listening to Women and Music Season 3, and I'm your host, Alexa Ace. Last week, Gold Hand Girls launched Women and Music Season 3 with Upsall, an artist we've been following for years. But today, we meet a new guest. A guest in the world of digital marketing, which, as we know, is one of the most powerful jobs within the music industry in the 21st century. So let's not forget that Women in Music is a music industry podcast focused on spotlighting women in the music industry, both on and off stage. My favorite. Thank you endlessly for your support. It is time to listen to more women and music. Thank you. Today's guest is Julia Gomberg. At the time of this recording, Julia worked as a digital content specialist marketer and label manager for Rock Nation. In this conversation, Julia and I discuss how marketing, especially digital marketing, must be a main focus when creating a strategic and successful rollout campaign for artists. Yes, it's tedious to collect data and keep up with trends, but Julia proves just how important it is to know where and how your artist followers are engaged. Julia's skills come from working on successful digital content campaigns for artists such as Willow, Tanache, and Alicia Keys, for example. But first, she had to wear many hats. I love this conversation. Let's get to it. Tell us about how you got started in the music industry and how that led um, to digital marketing. Yeah, so I think pretty much anyone who's super passionate about music can relate to this and that I feel like it's always just been an innate passion of mine you know as a music lover listening to music once I got you know old enough to go to concerts without my parents that was always something that I just loved to do and then you know as I got older I realized that that's my passion and that's something that I want to be able to incorporate in my career um, and I didn't really know exactly what that meant or what that looked like, but I knew that marketing and writing was something that was also a really big passion of mine, especially in college. Um, I just really liked to write. And so I was sort of thinking there must be a correlation somewhere there, but with like getting your foot in the door, obviously in this industry, it's easier said than done. So I kind of focused more you know, on more generalized marketing um, at the beginning of my career. And then as I got more experience, I was able to kind of bridge the gap between music and writing and marketing. And here we are. (laughs) So you got started in writing then? Yes. So writing definitely was something I really enjoyed. I didn't really do too much in terms of like publishing, but during like the Tumblr days, I would write up little reviews of albums and things like that. So yeah, definitely something I always was interested in. I love to hear that. I think a lot of us, you know, between the ages of like 20 to like 33 or like 25 to like 33 right now, we all had this like, you know, Tumblr, Pinterest, like Instagram being thrown at us. And we are constantly, you know, not even realizing how we're evolving within ourselves, within those digital realms. So I I love to hear that. And I think that writing is, um, I hate to say this, like a spot in the music (laughs) industry, but it is the, it's one of the most important. It's like, it's like, it is one of the best ways to get your foot in the door. It is a way to express yourself. It's a way to uh, hold yourself to a certain standard. And I think that writing also, it composes you in a certain way when you start to introduce yourself face to face in the industry. Right. I totally agree. Yeah. After you got started, what was your first, I guess, gig? 
Yeah. So in college, I went to school in New Hampshire. So there wasn't a lot of live music or music industry opportunities while I was at college, but I actually did. I had my, I had my own radio show where I basically would just play this, you know, a playlist of songs that I got into that week um, and have, as it kind of expanded, I would have, we'd have certain bands come on campus to perform and I'd have them on my show and do some interviews, things like that. So that was sort of like, I would say the first like hobby that I took on. And then because I live in New York um, during the summers, I would try to find internships that were in the city that were music focused. So my first one that I got to do my sophomore year of college in the summer was doing on-site um, like PR and marketing at some summer stage in Central Park, which is like their outdoor music venue space. So that was like a really, really cool experience. I was on site every day for every show and just really got to like have that hands-on experience. So did you reach out to them personally or how'd you go about getting that gig? Yeah, this was like, I think I was on Craigslist, which I don't know if I can really endorse, but at the time I thought it was like, it seemed a little little sketchy but I was like this seems like I, I had been to summer stage so I had been to like a concert there once or twice so I knew that place was real and then I hit the guy over the email and basically yeah they hired their own uh like publicity agency and he was looking for interns so that just emailed him had a few calls and then I was on site can I can I very bluntly ask was it a paid internship it was not which is interesting because this was also before you had to have like school credit were paid. So I was just doing, I mean, for me, it was like the pay was getting to see the shows like in the photo pit. So I, it was pretty like awesome to be honest. That's exactly what I did. Like, you know, sometimes I feel bad because uh, I'll have girls who apply to, to Goldhand to shoot shows and I let them know, you know, just like I did bluntly, like there's not, there, there truly like, isn't much pay as you get started. Um, it kind of is that like, do you have the passion to go to the shows for free at yep. first? And if you do just keep super consistent, I know it sucks to go to shows for free, but also how can I say that? You know, if you're that passionate, right? <laughs> exactly. Did you just email them? Yeah. So I just sent him an email. He ended up being super nice. We like met for coffee. This sounds like, so it's just funny. Like this was maybe a little over 10 years ago, but like now that sounds so sketchy, like finding a Craigslist post and then just like meeting a guy for coffee. But um, luckily it was legit. And yeah, I loved it so much. I ended up doing that for two seasons. So it was great. Take those chances. Take those chances. So then how do you recommend, um, you know, as someone in digital marketing right now, how do you recommend someone study or prepare to become successful within digital marketing? Yeah. So it kind of goes back to like what we were saying about Tumblr. I kind of realized without even realizing it that, you know, just growing up in a digital age, that's really the platform that, you know, that comes most naturally for me that I'm most, I find most intuitive along with like my passion for music. I think I was always that friend that was really curious about the digital world. Like I had my first screen name when I was super young and I would just like instant message random people. Like I always just found the accessibility of it really interesting. And so I think that, you know, Tumblr became a, one of the first social networks that I really found other, honestly, other females who are also really interested in the same artists as me. Um, and this was back in high school even. And then as just, you know, things evolved, I kind of stayed on the pulse of like 
new social media, showing my being the first of my friends and showing them different things. And then I, yeah, I just kind of evolved from there. So were you the friend that was like, uh, I have a plus one who wants to come? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> always. Me, me too. I love that. I love that. It's crazy how growing up in the digital world, like we, we don't even realize, like I said, how many fucking doors it opens. So I would love to know how digital marketing opened the door for you um, to Rock Nation. So walk us through your Rock Nation journey. So I would say also to kind of go back a little after my internship at summer stage, I did realize like realistically, unless I'm doing something like tour management or something like that, I'm going to likely be sitting in an office to my real job. So I sort of took that as like, trying to find opportunities that allowed me more to, you know, test out more of the digital marketing space. So I was working um, also at this company called Do NYC, and they are basically like an event listing site in New York and other cities. And it's the whole purpose of it is to answer like the question of what are, what's there to do today in New York. So they do ticket giveaways. So my friend won a concert ticket from them. And I was like, that looks awesome. And then I ended up getting my, one of my first full-time jobs there. Um, and so that was a lot of social related. So I'd say that was sort of what I was like, okay, this is something I'm interested in more professionally um, in terms of like music and then that digital marketing side. So then at Rock Nation, I just happened to see um, a new role that they posted and it was for one of their newer departments called Equity Distribution. So their department Equity Distribution is like kind of like an independent um, distribution platform for artists. They have to apply to get approved and then we distribute their music for them and they retain ownership of their masters. So I really liked the idea of that. So that's what kind of sparked my interest and applied. Damn, I want to know more. So it's so sounds like no matter what, like no matter <laughs> what the route was, you knew that you were going to go into music. Yes, absolutely. I think that was just like kind of something like I knew everyone around me telling me like, yeah, okay. like people were supportive, but I think very skeptical. But I just knew that that's something like I needed to do for myself and really try it out. Yeah. And you continue to seek it out by yourself. So would you say like, I feel like I relate to you right now. Like, would you say you were like on LinkedIn, like looking for the founder of these festivals or you're looking for the media contact for these festivals? Yep, exactly. Absolutely. I think like I always have been the digital sleuth and like always trying to find those people and whatever it is. So yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yes. I am completely aligning. So, okay. Equity distribution. Is that correct? I'm wrong. Yes, I'm right. (laughs) Tell us more about that. Prior to uh, Rock uh, Rock Nation, I was at TuneCore, which is an independent artist distribution platform. Um, So that I was doing like content marketing for and basically, you know, educating people who have never distributed music before. And, you know, a lot of these people who put their music out there are more of the not verse well versed in like the music side, but there's also a huge component of being like a manager for yourself when you're independent. So being able to sort of educate people on that and come up with, you know, topics that I felt were important to know was really rewarding. And so when I saw that equity distribution had a really similar business model, it really resonated with me, especially because they're, you know, Rock Nation ha- is its own label. So to have an independent artist platform in addition to that, I thought was really cool. Um, so 
ended up doing that for a while, working with equity distribution, doing um, all of their social digital content. So they were like pretty brand new when I started. So I kind of got all of their social channels up from the ground and really set like basically what it is into what it is in today. Um, so it's been really cool. Those foundational layers are so important. And, and even like, you know, I feel like not saying you're entry level, but like the jobs that are relatively entry level, you're just getting your foot in the door, especially with digital marketing. It's like sometimes we don't get enough credit for how much of the foundation we actually laid because exactly. digital marketing is fast moving and you have to keep up, especially to lay that pavement. Right. So then that brought you into a digital content specialist or where'd you go from there? So yeah, that was the, I was the digital content specialist for equity. Um, and then a role opened up on the label side. So I guess like to kind of back up Rock Nation has a management division, a label division, and then a sports division. So the label division had an open role to do it, like be a digital marketing manager. And so I, you know, got the opportunity to basically transition into that role, um, after a few, I would say about five months of doing equity distribution. Um, and so that was territory that I wasn't super experienced in, but I took it, you know, in stride. And I feel like that ended up really being what my passion is. So I lucked out in that sense. And yeah, it's super great. I'm curious how with equity distribution, you said you were kind of laying the wave or introducing the independent artists within Rock Nation, right? Right. Right. Okay. So who are some of those artists and are they still independent? Yeah. So what's really cool about equity is, you know, it's a lot of artists who are just starting, you know, maybe they have a project that they literally recorded in their bedroom, but there's also a lot of artists who just really are passionate about, you know, the power of ownership of their own music. And I think that to me is something that is really interesting and like, Tinashe is an artist who distributes through equity distribution, actually. So she is managed by Rock Nation and then her music is distributed through equity distribution. So she has ownership over her masters. And I just love that, especially, you know, I'm sure you can agree, like a female having that ownership is really empowering. Power. Straight up power. And of course, that just leaves me with a thousand more questions, you know, because like, <laughs> I mean, it's. Tanache is an is a name. So she's done right. it for herself. And that she's the example immediately, you know, just you saying like a lot of my demographic, um, I would say are half college students kind of looking to find their role within the industry and then half artists do the same exact thing. So I love right. how you're like Tanache, she's a great example of someone who is well, well fucking known. Um, right. But that's cool to know that she is technically independent. Yeah. Yeah. It is really cool. She's like speaks a lot on it. Um, so like just even, yeah, I think like hearing about a female who is educated in that way and like wants to like educate other people, like she's a big advocate for independency. So like that's been really cool to work with. What are the differences in the jobs between a digital content specialist and a label manager and how do they go hand in hand? Yeah, so I think the foundation is definitely the same where it's all at the end of the day, social media is digital, right? So it's all fundamentally digital strategy. I would say for label, it's a little different in that 
I had a bit more artist facing responsibilities or I do have artist facing responsibilities. So I was assigned a roster, a handful of artists from the roster, about uh, six, I believe, different artists. And basically working on all of their digital release strategy plans for upcoming releases. And when they don't have releases, strategizing to get, you know, new listeners and new followers across all their social platforms. So a lot of strategy, a lot of planning, just like it was for equity, but that was more brand focused. Damn. It's so cool. how Everything. It's like, uh, you know, I hear all these women be like, okay, where do I go? What do I do in the industry? But truly just getting your foot in the door can be the web of what to do next. Absolutely. You were involved in a lot of different campaigns then. Yes, a lot. <laughs> I love, I love hearing about campaigns because, you know, everyone is different and, you know, demographics are different and numbers are different. So I would love to know what does a digital marketing campaign look like in its most basic form? Yeah, great question. So I would say definitely like if I were to be told, you know, one of my artists has a new album out in a month, I come up with an entire digital marketing plan. So, you know, I like to make sure that I I have a good read on their social stats and their numbers across their social platforms from that point. And then same thing with streaming and revenue, you know, it's a little less focused on that at the moment, just because, I'm more focused on that digital online presence, um, but still good to know, you know, how they're charting and everything like that, especially because a lot of the artists that I work with are developing or like emerging acts. Um, And then we, you know, one of the, to your point, like once you're kind of in, you really have the resources that you dreamed about, like every single social platform, you know, at Rock, we're super well connected. We have contacts with different, label services reps from everything from like Instagram to Facebook, or I guess meta now, and then TikTok. So just basically coming up with ideas of how you collaborate with each of those platforms um, in with the goal in mind of how can we promote this artist and their release. That's crazy. It's so crazy cool how much goes into just one release. Right. The content that you're posting, you can back it up even more because there still has to be the photo shoot of, you know, the photo shoot that you're potentially out for the uh, specific campaign, or maybe there are specific, you know, TikToks, or maybe there's a, um, maybe there are six or seven TikToks that need to go out at once um, for that specific campaign. So I think it's cool, you know, to hear from you, to hear that there are multiple types of campaigns in the music industry, especially in digital marketing. Um, But would you say that it really depends per artist if they're charting or not, or their um, trajectory? Yeah. So it definitely, you know, depends on what the goal is, right? So to your point, demographics vary so, so much depending on the artist. Um, For example, one of the artists that I worked with had a song that just like randomly started trending on TikTok, which, you know, we know that happens very arbitrarily. So she didn't really have much of a strong TikTok presence yet. So I was like, we need to, you know, when people look up the song and they find the artist, they want to know if you see, they assume that the artist is really active on TikTok. So that was sort of like a big one of like, okay, let's, you know, she's active on Instagram, but like, let's kind of rev up her TikTok presence. Would you say that does email campaigning go hand in hand at all? Yeah, absolutely. That's, I would say, yeah, I kind of, that was like the smaller, I guess, scale of what I do with social media, but then yeah, for sure. There's, you know, one of the artists I work with, we do a lot of email marketing um, for having it kind of be like a fan club 
where they get to hear things like snippets of songs first, things like that. Um, and then to your point, kind of like beyond that, yeah, lots of other, lots of other things go into the digital marketing plans, like ads or like digital ads. I would have to come up with, you know, all the different campaigns for that across certain platforms of what made sense and creating like all the assets. So like the visuals for the social posts and things like that. God damn. So what are some of the major, like, are you on all major platforms? Are you like, is it mostly TikTok? Is it mostly Instagram? Is it, is it Twitter, you know, or again, does it, does it vary per artist? Yeah, it definitely varies per artist. I would say like the biggest thing in building relationships with, you know, the people at these social platforms is especially working with developing artists is sort of like the transactional of like you, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. So kind of, you know, get, they have to trust that this artist is going to be, you know, ha- be really active on their platform, really work hard to build that presence. And then they reciprocate and support with their own ways of doing so. So that's, it's definitely a reciprocal kind of relationship in that sense. Um, but then again, like working with a larger scale artist, like Alicia Keys, which I'm sure we'll get into, um, it's different because, you know, everyone wants to work with Alicia, so you don't have to kind of sell it as much. But okay, so we'll get to Alicia in a second. But another example of a campaign you've worked on is like Willow. What were some of her, let's say, deliverables? Yes. Willow's super fun. I mean, that song, Meet Me at Our Spot, like was trending like crazy when I started working with her. So that was really cool in the like sort of just having that experience of like seeing something really go off and realizing how much you can do. So like creating a lot of different, you know, assets for her socials, creating like challenges for people to create their own like baseline for the song things like that where there was already like a foundational interest from her fans and followers and then so that was really fun because it was like what can we do to kind of elevate that or like find more fun in, in behind those types of videos and content that people are doing so even though it was already viral you continue to add content to it to continue to amp it up exactly so like you know it kind of started and like doing really well and it was more of a question of how can we sustain that how did you sustain that that song I think is a really unique example because it really just defied like (laughs) the logic of how something like that shelf life was really wild like I remember my coworkers and I would just be like it's still trending it's still going it's still charting so But that was fun because it was just sort of like we got to have the luxury of being able to try so many things and they're not really being like, no, there was no negative impact. So, for example, again, like creating different challenges for people on TikTok to like duet the song or use the song in a different way. Um, And also, I think what's cool about digital is that trends are kind of born organically by the users. So it's really just a lot of it is determining and like detecting what those trends are and then, you know, monetizing or utilizing those. For sure. You can totally tell when it's like try hard trend. (laughs) Yes. Oh yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I think Willow, I just wanted to mention that because I think Willow is such a great example of um, an organic artist that is obviously she is signed to Rock Nation, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. And she's so authentic too. She's like a true artist, which is really fun. So I also heard you say though, that, you know, 
if a song is trending, the artist still puts in that effort to keep it up. Right. Are you asking from the artist them to maybe reshare on their story? Or are you asking them to post every day saying, hey, guys, thank you so much for, you know, resharing this? Or maybe do ask her to do the uh, the duo or the duel or whatever? Yeah. So it's more so having her be a little more hands on with what we're asking the fans to do. So or the followers or audience, whatever. So it's having her kind of participate in the trends, finding, you know, if people are duetting her videos, having her create reaction videos to the songs or the the challenges that people are doing. Um, just really creating it like as if it's a like a personal relationship with the artist and the fans. Dope. I think that's so cool to hear too, because like I think there's this misconception with, you know, um, new signed artists that as soon as you get signed, the label's going to like take care of everything and you just got to make the music. And I just like, that's just so not true because I mean, you know, to each their own, but, um, but I love hearing you saying like Willow, like you're going to ask her to participate or whoever, you know, you're involved with that moment to get higher numbers. Because at the end of the day, if you want more people to listen to your music, it is marketing. And I just had this conversation recently. Um, so I think it's cool to hear you say, like, you asked her to get more hands on, like right. an artist does need to be on with their followers and their fans. I, I completely agree. And I think that's a huge, like educational tool for more developing artists too, is having them really understand and learn how to do that themselves, because it will ultimately benefit them. The more comfortable they get with a platform, the more it ends up paying off for them. So like, I always am more of a, like, demonstrator then like I don't do it for them like I never I I it's a personal choice of like setting the boundary of like I'm not going to post for you for you like I want them to get yeah. comfortable with it too damn how do you say that yeah it definitely depends on you know I think that also is just a big thing I've learned from working at a label is just like asserting myself and trusting that like they are coming to me and looking at me as the you know the professional or like the really the, the expert so it's really just kind of reassuring them and being hands-on with it but like really explaining the benefit of why they should learn how to do it and I think once they start seeing those results and you know the response then it encourages them to keep going what about Alicia Keys so would she be the same example of like hey we need you to post this yeah so alicia keys is amazing and i'm not just saying that because i worked with her but she is on the management side so she signed to a different label but a lot of what i did i'm no longer working with her but what i did with her was all like oriented around her most recent album release back in december and doing all the strategy of her digital around that and she is so hands-on it is unbelievable like that's also i think why i I'm like, you need to do it yourself with artists who are more emerging or developing because I'm like, Alicia does it herself. So if Alicia Keys has time to do it, exactly. And it's just like, I'm really like, I have so much admiration for how much time she dedicates to that. But um, she loves to learn too, which I love. So she wants, it's not like she'll just post because you told her, she wants to know why, she wants to know how it works and how it will, you know, pay off. So I love working with her in that. Damn. Have you ever, did you ever have a moment where you were like with her face to face and she was like, okay, what do these numbers mean? And how do I make them 10 times this? Oh yeah. One time <laughs> I like basically transitioned into someone else's role because they were transitioning out and there was a big call to go over 
her, 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 I guess we had a bunch of paid ads. So to go over the ads and I was told that I needed to present the ads to her of how they performed and why they didn't work. So I had no context really of like what these ads were even for. And I was told like in an hour I had to present it to her and her whole management team. So I like did, you know, luckily I had the tools to really learn about it and see what worked and what didn't. And it was, you know, it was a little intimidating, but I think it's moments like that where you're thrown in to the deep end and that's how you learn. Right. So it, it was scary, but ended up being a really cool experience. It's so cool to hear like just the beginning of this podcast, you being like, oh, I just, I emailed some people for some internships and then, you know, 20 minutes, <laughs> I am face-to-face with Felicia Keys talking about her digital marketing. Like that's right. <laughs> right. That's right. And you didn't even know where to start, but you just went for it. Definitely. I think I still like have that moment of like, oh my gosh, look where I am now from where I was. And it, it's really cool, especially when it's like, you know, something you do for yourself. It's, it's only, you can only take credit, you know, you can only give the credit to yourself yeah. for that. Dude, congratulations. Like Thank you. I haven't, like I said, I haven't talked to anyone else in digital media. So it's so cool to hear just the progression of, you know, okay, I'm going to go here, going to go here. don't really know how this is going to work, but I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's pretty much my day to day. Yeah. But it definitely, it's a great way to keep learning and, you know, kind of, figuring it out as you go for sure. But yeah, working with Alicia definitely with digital it was just like a whole other a whole other world of just the way things kind of work in terms of collaborating with partners and things like that for sure. What were some of like her deliverables? Did you did you guys, you know, um like again, have her on certain photo shoots? Did you have her doing certain lives to promote this album? Like what were some of the things that the audience saw that you that you helped deliver? So one thing that I I was a huge learning experience that was really cool with her was that, you know, we were coming up with ideas on TikTok. She wanted, she was really curious about TikTok and wanted to get a little bit more familiar with it. So we, you know, I, we work with some graphic designers to create, I had him, one of the graphic designers to create like clips from one of her singles from the music video and just kind of cut it down and create it like a TikTok uh, format. and it, you know, we posted it and it wasn't doing well compared to her other content that was a bit more organic. Um, I think that I realized like on a platform that is so in real time, so organic where people just like roll out of bed and record themselves like that type of more produced content isn't going to work as well. So I had the idea of being like, Alicia, why don't you just take your phone, record it like selfie and just be like, Hey guys, like my album is coming out on this date. Um, you can pre-save now, you know, just very like casual with nothing too crazy. And that did significantly better than the other videos that we did. And it's so interesting, right? Because it's like, it made sense to me though. Cause I was like, this is more the type of content that people are looking for on this platform. And she's so cool. I mean, it helps that she's just awesome. So like, she was really natural at it and yeah, it worked really well. God. I mean, this is so fucking cool. (laughs) There's so much within digital media. You know, I feel like you never really know where you should be the most personable, but I do feel like um, TikTok is that spot, at least for the moment where, you know, you can roll out of bed. Any artist, any, anyone listening, like right now, any artist could roll out of bed and prove that consistency and that authenticity and that, um, that raw persona 
just through communicating directly to your fans. At what point would you say it's necessary for an artist to have a digital strategist? Yeah, so that's a good question too. I think that it really depends on their comfort level with it. So I think that for, and I do, I would imagine it has a lot to do with like generation. So like, I think Gen Z artists are just, it's just more of an intuitive skill that they already kind of have because that's just the generation they were born into. Um, So I think that, you know, that is a huge advantage right now if that's something you're really well versed in. But if not, there's so much, so many ways to educate yourself, I think, on, you know, social media and the digital world. It's overwhelming, but I think that the resources out there of just seeing what's new and what's coming out and just like, even from a Google search is so valuable. So it's just like a current, it's like kind of like the idea of staying up with current events. It's the same idea for like digital. So I think just keeping yourself in that space and always learning and seeing what's out there is really, really useful. Then can you explain what YOY audience engagement is? Yeah. So that's really looking over your YOY is year over year. So really comparing year over year of how someone's either, you know, streaming growth, social growth, digital growth is. So a big one that I always look at for digital plans are social media channel growth year over year. So if an artist, let's say one of the artists I worked with um, was signed almost exactly a year ago. So I'm looking at her social numbers and then where they are a year later and then where I kind of want them to go after like an album is released. Um, So that kind of ties into KPIs too, but that's really what it is. So do you consider yourself a digital marketer or a digital strategist? And within the two, like, you know, we're talking about YOY, about talking about KPIs, like, again, how can someone who is a brand new artist know how to do this and, and keep up with their, you know, their, their digital revenue, with their digital engagement? Do you have certain platforms that you, you know, get these numbers off of other than the platforms themselves? Yeah. So I was going to say definitely the platforms themselves in terms of like their analytic tools have improved drastically because I think that it's just catching on that that's a really viable tool to have. Um, But also there are for sure other platforms. Like one of the one that I always have a tab open is called Chartmetric. And that really breaks down everything you need from, you know, where your most, your highest amount of streamers are geographically, how you're each social channel and how it's growing has little grids and charts for that. And then also all of the different DSP platforms of like streams and things like that. So it really helps to, you know, figure out when you're creating a campaign, who the demographic is, what they're interested in. And it even tells you like what other artists they listen to, to get a sense of like really how, you know, who the, who the person is who's streaming the music. And that really helps you to kind of build off a digital plan from all that information. So I want to ask you something kind of silly then after that. I feel like I hear a lot of artists be like, you know, I don't need social media or like, no matter what, I can still get gigs. But it's very blatant that the difference between an artist who is going to go look at their demographic and look at their YOI after one year before they release something else might have the advantage of having a new target demographic directly consume rather than um, an artist who might just release with no information about who's going to listen just because they want to put out something creative. I don't know if that makes sense, but 
I'm hearing the the vast difference in, you know, even working for a label, even just going deep into your numbers can really help you understand who the fuck is listening. Right. Exactly. Because otherwise it's definitely a shot in the dark. And it's like, you know, if you're really, I, I, I always think like, if it's just a hobby and not something that you're really trying to grow, sure. Like put your music out and like, if it resonates with whoever, but if you're really trying to like develop a career out of it, yeah, you need to have, you just need to have the resources and the knowledge of like who is listening, who is it resonating with and kind of go from there. It's just education for sure. So working as a digital marketer, you would obviously recommend doing some sort of digital marketing before a release. Yeah. I think that, you know, it's, it's just, it is what it is. I think marketing is now what or digital marketing is marketing in general. Um, and it's just something that if you really want to build something, you need to have the knowledge to do it. And I, again, I think that because there's so many resources out there now, it just validates that that's true because there, there's a need for it and people you know, want to learn how to do it. And I think that creating, you know, just having that presence is going to benefit you. There's no harm in it and just getting more exposure that way. So what are some examples of KPIs in digital marketing? Definitely. I would say follower growth is a fundamental one, but also I always look more at engagement for a post than just overall like social channel growth. So for example, Um, I keep talking about TikTok, so I'll pivot to Instagram, right? And so Instagram right now, a big thing that they're promoting are their their TikTok equivalent, which is Instagram Reels. So, you know, checking, I think one of the biggest things that I've found to really be important is creating calls to actions for every post. So meaning that, you know, if you have a, even if it's a lifestyle post of some of a an artist just hanging out on their tour bus, you want to drive the viewer to something that will end up kind of being worth more valuable. So, you know, if there's a link to listen to one of their songs um, from their, you know, their profile, then that's a great way to kind of tie people back in. Another big thing that I would say we focus on is like catalog promotion. So even when an artist doesn't have a new song out, it's kind of having fans familiarize themselves with their previous work and kind of just getting a little bit more, I guess, attention on, you know, their previous work. So that way, once new stuff comes out, there's a little bit more engagement already happening. So that's a big one for sure. I never know if I should bring up, um, like artists past catalogs, if they want to talk about it, you know, if they just want to talk about the news, the news. Yeah. There was like a huge, I forget exactly what the percentage was. I think it was about 70% of music being streamed right now is all catalog, which is so crazy. So I think that there's like a huge value in that for sure. Wow. So it's like new releases are important, but people right now are listening to what they, what they know. Exactly. And it makes sense. Cause if you think like on TikTok, it's always like, not always, but a lot of the time the trending music is like throwbacks of songs that you grew up with and things like that. So there's this like definite, I don't know if it's what it really is. It's just interesting from like a psychological standpoint of like why people are gravitating towards that nostalgia right now. What are a few social behaviors you study to produce a successful digital marketing campaign? One of my favorite things or that I see that artists do is like being cryptic I like before release I like kind of the breadcrumbing the the drop the dropping of hints and because it always gets the conversation going like in comments I've noticed so for example this artist 
Ombre, who I work with, she's amazing. She's coming out with an album this month. And we've been really cryptic about the album's name. And basically the album's called 3000 Degrees. And my idea was to kind of have the degree symbol just start popping up on her page. So putting it on her name, on her Instagram, and then yeah and then having her I we sent a newsletter to like her fans telling them to add it and then if they do they'll get like you know opted into more exclusive content so this degree symbol just started popping up everywhere and I noticed in comments like even if it's just like a video of her in the studio and her caption has that degree emoji or symbol everyone's like what is happening what is going on like and they'll just talk about it because they don't know and they fill up that space of like we need to figure this out. We need to guess. So that's been really fun. And I love working with that and kind of like leading them into what the actual like piece of art is, if that makes sense. So what would you say? Okay. I think that I love that way. Like that is my preferred way, but I do also love when like Beyonce, for example, just drop shit, you know? Right. (laughs) Would you say that it's only smart for established artists to just drop and it's maybe more of a way to get engagement to breadcrumb yes I definitely think that's true I think that the cool kids like I always think about it like as it's like the, the the more developed artists who can do that are like the cool seniors in high school and they like don't need a lot because they kind of already built the reputation up right so it's just sort of like they have that demographic that foundational fan base that's really loyal already but when it's a more developing or emerging artist you're still in the stages of creating that community so I think that they're one way of doing that is creating that small community of fans making them feel like they're the first fans so whether that's through you know an email newsletter or creating like even a close friends list I have sometimes our artists will do like a close friends list on Instagram so that they can drop you know, previews their music for like the fans first. And so that kind of creates that feeling of like, if they drop something with that's not super public, then there's already going to be that community of fans who are like ready to jump on it. So I think there's ways to kind of like make it seem that way. But yeah, it's a little different when it's developing. Julia, you're, I I love everything you have to say because it just like affirms everything I was ever thinking. (laughs) Um, that's but, awesome. I love to hear that. <laughs> I have a question for you. And um, it is, what is your gold moment in life? I have to say, I think it was the first day I walked into the, the office at Rock Nation because it was like, this feels like the real deal. This is like something that I've dreamt about. And like the fact that I'm like stepping in, I've like proven myself to be that I'm worth being there I think was a really empowering feeling um and just knowing like especially the history of Rock Nation of how it was founded it 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 felt really like that kind of entrepreneur work your way from nothing really feels cool to be a part of that because I think it really resonates with how I feel like I was able to build my career you did it I mean you're you are the example of someone who was like okay I don't know what I want but I'm so passionate let's go (laughs) right right which can be scary, but yeah, I think it definitely pays off when, when it is your passion. I think there is that unspoken like map that will just kind of direct you into where you're supposed to be for sure. As long as you keep going, you know, you can't, that's the thing that you yes. can't stop. If you stop, you fucking stop. You got to keep going. Exactly. No even if the industry shuts down, even if there's no, no gigs, there's right. no marketing. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Yeah. It's proven to be true. So Julia, I do have one more question for you. This is the first time I've ever done this, um, but I have a question submitted for you directly. Amazing. Okay. This is for Julia, the Women in Music podcast. I was curious, when it comes to marketing an artist, what do you think separates them as a brand from them as a musician and their art, but also how do they possibly complement and work together? Um, yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, it's a really great question. I think that to be successful with your artist digital marketing is that you can't lose sight of being an artist, if that makes sense. Because I think that people see it when it's too separate, then it loses the authenticity of really what you're marketing, which is which is your artistry, right? So I think that there's always a way to incorporate your artistry into a way that also markets yourself. And I think that that's something that I, again, kind of goes back to why I love digital marketing so much is that there's a way to educate people on that. And like, empower them like you're really great at you know coming up with a song but like mm -hmm. let's create a song or come up with the idea of writing a song on the spot and then you just record it and post it on you know Instagram that's it there's really not a huge difference I don't think you should overthink it I think that you know artists are so creative that it ends up really benefiting them when they try to strategize what they want to do from a digital perspective Totally. Totally. I think it can be a little bit constricting too. You just like, I want digital marketing to succeed, but I also want my art to succeed. So where's that middle line? Yeah. And I would say the biggest thing is like, there's nothing wrong with trying something. And if it doesn't work, yes. there's a delete button. Especially, That's what I always yes. tell my artists. If they feel, <laughs> yeah, if they feel like, you know, self-conscious about posting a TikTok, which I understand if that's not something they're super comfortable with, just try it. And it, it can go away. You know, nothing is permanent. So yeah, I think that's a big part. Take risks. And you're learning. Like if you don't like it, you know, like you said, like you try again. Right. Yeah. You'll find your niche for sure. Awesome. Julia, this has been so amazing. Thank you so much for being a guest on Women in Music. Like I said, you're the first person I've had within digital marketing. So, and it is just, it's so fucking important for right now. It's so important for any artist established or not to understand how fast paced it is and how much work goes in behind the scenes and just to recognize yeah and the other digital teams out there that are putting in that effort. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. And I mean, you're a badass too. So thank you. It's awesome to speak with you. And yeah, I'm really excited. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Women and Music. I wanted to give a quick shout out before we end here today to Girls Behind the Rock Show, otherwise known as GBTRS for introducing me to Julia. Girls Behind the Rock Show is a Facebook group and women-led industry movement connecting women in music. They've been around for as long as I can remember, as long as Goldhand Girls, maybe longer, and constantly post about new opportunities for women in the music industry. Julia is a natural mentor, as you can tell, and posted in GBTRS stating she'd love to help anyone in the industry with the experience she has. So naturally, I reached out and um, was all up in her DMs. It's spaces like GBTRS and Goldhand Girls that unite women in music and hopefully inspire you to pursue this gorgeous but fucked up industry. Yeah, I said it. So if we can do it, so can you. See you next week. <laughs>